Welcome to We Sing the Bass Electric, a podcast for bass lovers and music enthusiasts of all genres. Join us as we revisit some of the most iconic recordings from different bassists, past and present, discussing behind-the-scene insight and stories that made up some of the most revered albums of our time, all from a bass player's point of view. Now here's your host, international recording artist, Mr. Christian Day Masonis, a.k.a. Big New York. During the mid-70s, radio stations filled the airwaves with music from the Seattle-based band Heart. Songs like Magic Man, Crazy on You, and Barracuda influenced a generation of musicians and songwriters, and their imprint is still relevant today. From the band's incarnation still stands founding member and bassist Steve Fossen, now forever immortalized as a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We Sing the Bass Electric is proud and honored to welcome Steve Fossen. Thanks for joining us, Steve. How are you doing tonight? Thanks for inviting me. That, that was a very nice introduction. I appreciate it. Thanks. Oh, you're very welcome. So uh, my first question to you is, why bass? And was this your first instrument of choice? Well, uh, when I was very, very young, my mom enrolled me in uh, uh, Hawaiian guitar lessons. You know, that's where you put the guitar in your lap and you have a little steel uh, bar and you go up and down the strings. And then I played trumpet for a while. And then I, when uh, the Beatles came out and I realized that Paul McCartney was the bass player, um, that's when I was decided I wanted to play bass. So growing up, what music were you listening to and who was some of your influences? Well, of course, I mean, I grew up, I was born in 1949. I hate to admit it, but it's the truth. So there it is, you know. So all during the 50s, I mean, I was listening to the Everly Brothers, Elvis Presley, Ricky Nelson, Roy Orbison, you know, Bobby Vinton, you know, all and all the uh, the girl groups and uh, I, all that influenced me. I loved it. I, it. There were songs that made me cry. And uh, and the thing about it was back in those days, everybody had like a 57 Chevy, right? Uh -huh. Well, the 57 Chevys had a, a steel a, a sheet metal um, dashboard, right? And the radio speaker was mounted in the dashboard. And back in those days, all the radios were tube, you know, um, uh -huh. tube based. And the bass sounded so fantastic. And I just remember just riding around in the cars, just feeling that bass and just loving it and loving it so much. And, and then, uh, so I was really inspired by music and, and, and I really loved the two-part harmonies of the Everly Brothers. And, um, and so I was just going along in my life and you know, I played the trumpet and I thought, well, the trumpet's kind of square. I was a rock, you know, I felt, I thought like I wanted to play rock and, but I really never did anything about it. And then in 1962, <clears throat> I was riding uh, my bicycle down to my friend's house and I had taped a little transistor radio to my handlebars and on came uh, the Beatles. Mm. And, and I was riding along and I was paying attention to riding. And then all of a sudden I couldn't pay attention to riding anymore. And I, all I could hear was this music going through my head or through the radio, and I lost track of where I was and I just about went in the ditch. And uh, 
and I was hooked from then on out. And then I had to go down to the store and I found, you know, a Beatle album and, you know, then I would just, I'd be downstairs, you know, of course I lived at my parents' house and they'd hear me playing this record over and over and over. And, they, and my dad kept asking me, well, what are you, what are you listening for? And I said, well, you know, it's the harmonies, it's the, it's the guitar parts, it's the drumming, it's the bass part, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, and I kept talking about the bass and talking, talking about bass, bass, this and bass, that. And, and my dad one day, uh, he said, hey, come on, we're going to the, we're going to the music store, we're gonna rent you a bass. And he thought it was gonna be like a, a hot little hobby and I'd get the bass and I'd play a little bit and give it up and, and move on and become what he wanted me to become, which it was, he wanted me, he was in real estate, so he wanted me to Kind of follow in his footsteps and, and do that kind of stuff and and uh <clears throat> but i <laughs> once i got that bass i mean it was it was over i i mean i come home from school pick up the bass and play it and and then i got together with my friends and we started a band and you know that's what everybody did back in those days do you uh do you remember that the make of that first bass that you rented i certainly do it was an orlando bass I've never heard of, of Orlando bases. It, well, it's a, it, it was a, I, I would say it's from, it was from Asia, I would think. I'm not mm -hmm. sure, but I've, I can't remember exactly, but it was kind of like a precision. Had sort of a body shape of precision and a single pickup, you know, in the precision type, you know, area and a volume and a tone. And then I had a Supro amp. I think it was like 50 watts or something with a 15 inch speaker. And you know, it sounded really nice. So it all worked together. And then once that three month uh, rental was up, if you applied that money towards purchasing a base, then you, it, you know, the money just didn't go away. You, you got credit for it on this, on your new purchase. So I went and I purchased a base, which was a Hagstrom, uh, Hagstrom yes. base. Mm -hmm. And I bought an Alamo amp. It was tubes too. It was like uh, a head and a speaker cabinet. And uh, <laughs> I've been a tube guy ever since, basically. Um, most of us grew up starting with tubes, man. My first bass uh, uh, was a Fender Basement 100. And I'll never forget lugging it up the uh, stairs in Astoria. I had a gig in Astoria when I was in high school. And I had to call my friend to help me one somebody had to hold the tube head and one of us had to lug the bottom so yeah back in those early days man we really went through some stuff didn't we <laughs> well well back then i mean the the especially in my era the the bass had to fill the room because nobody would put bass in the in the pa system the pa system was for vocals period right. So that's right our player had to he was on his own the bass player was on his own the drummer was on his own Singer was the only one that got reinforcement and for the PA system. You're right. Yeah. So you so, said Astoria. You don't mean Astoria, Oregon, do you? No, no, no. Astoria, <laughs> Queens. Yes. <laughs> I've never been anywhere near that area. No. Yeah. Well, Astoria, Oregon is a fantastic town. That's where the Goonies was filmed. Oh, okay. And Summer, who is the lead singer of Heart by Heart, is my wife, and she's a Goonie fanatic. So. She drags me down there every year. We have to go to the all the touristy things that are around town, and you know it's a it's a blast. But uh, we love a story, in, in other words. You know? um, I'm going to take that lead. I'm going to ask my wife if she wants to do something interesting like that. We're both 
we're both movie buffs and we watch a lot of movies. And so uh, I've always wanted to go to Devil's Tower in Wyoming because I've seen yeah. like yeah. yeah, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I must have seen that movie about 100 times. It's one of my my favorite movies. So, yeah, yeah, we dig doing stuff like that. You know, as a yeah. matter of fact, uh, I found out that you're playing in Utah right before my birthday on July 10th. And really? uh, I, yeah, and I was like, oh man, wouldn't it be cool to just fly out to Utah? We've never been there and just go see you play, you know? Um, well, this particular venue, it's an outdoor venue. Mm -hmm. It's uh, its in a, a community of homes that's uh, in, it's called South Jordan, which is south of, uh, of uh, Salt Lake City proper. And there's a, a really cool little stage and then there's a great big field where people you know put their chairs and whatever and um but last time we played there it was hot i'm telling yeah. you it was hot but we didn't play till the evening time but the sound check was really hot wow yeah that's kind of a <laughs> that's kind of a drag plus you've got the added effect of cicadas now i don't know if you have too many cicada problems in that area but we're starting to get them here now in northern virginia well, the thing of it is, uh, cicadas are not a, a phenomena on the West Coast at all. Oh, wow. I remember, this is kind of, I'm going back to 1976 when, when Hart was first touring America back in 1976. You know, we were supporting our debut album, Dream About Annie, hmm. and that was a cicada year. People kept saying, hey, this is a cicada year. So every once in a while, we'd see these trees, you know, like with a million bugs on hanging around the tree. It's like, wow. <laughs> so let me ask you this one. Uh, you're known for being a Fender Precision player. Right. How did it become your staple instrument? And was it used on those early hard albums? Okay, there's an interesting story going on here. Okay. So um, back in the day, um, when I had my Hagstrom, a guy, we were playing someplace up north, Sylvania. <laughs> anyway, Great. Sylvan or what? Well, I don't know, I can't remember. But uh, the guy came up and said, hey, I've got a Fender Jazz for sale. Do you want to buy it? And it was really cheap. So, you know, we bought it. And I had it for a while. And uh, I really loved it. But for some reason, I traded it in for a precision. And, mm -hmm. and, and it was a 64 jazz bass, which was really nice. And I traded it in for like a 68 or 69 um, precision. And, you know, once Leo Fender left the company, it wasn't the same. So anyway, a really good friend of mine, Ray Hartman, uh, he worked at another uh, music store downtown. And he told me about, I said, I was interested in a Fender, ba Fender Precision Bass. He says, oh, there's one for sale at this music store down on Third Avenue. And I went down there. I loved the bass. It was a 1959 Precision. It was owned by a famous guy around Seattle. Uh, he was in the Frantics. They had a, they had a hit around town. Anyway. So I got that bass and that turned out to be the bass that I used on Dreamboat Annie. Mm, okay. And I did a lot of touring with that bass too during between 68 when I got it and uh, 76 supporting Dreamboat Annie. But once, you know, once we got on the road, I figured like, oh man, this bass is worth, this is my pride and joy here. So I, I went to other, other bases. I left that one uh, at home to stay safe. <laughs> um, is that, is that the same bass that I've seen you play on the video version of uh, Crazy On You, where you're wearing that black shirt with the rainbow uh, sleeve? Yeah, 
Yeah. It has, it says Fender, but then it has a square decal on it, like a glitter decal oh. on that base. Well, um, I, I don't know if you noticed, but I did send you a, a photo of that 59P base. Yes, I have a bunch of photos on you. And I, pro <laughs> and anyway, I, pro I promise well, to send you the ones that Richard Galbraith gave me because yes, they're, they're really good. So what happened was, uh, so we were touring um, Europe mm -hmm. and we were over there doing some stuff and we, they wanted to do a, a TV show in Germany, but we were in England. So they wanted to fly us to Germany to do the show. Well, we didn't have enough room to bring the, our bases. So I, they provided a base and that was one of the bases that was provided. Oh, okay. Well, right. it's not exactly the, the same one, but. Uh, hey, I had to ask, you know, because, yeah. I, you know, us bass players, it, we pay attention to gear, man. We're like uh, gearaholics, man, you know? I know, and that, that particular base, I mean, I don't remember it all that much, but I've seen, I've, obviously I've seen pictures of it over the years and it's got the weirdest, I mean, the headstock is like ginormous. Yeah. And it's a, it's a little bit different shape, and it's got weird, that, like you said, that weird square on it or whatever. I've noticed that. Another thing that I've noticed that I've, I'll never, ever forget, it left a, an impression on me. Um, you were featured in an article in Guitar Player Magazine back in December of 79, playing a very interesting Alembic-style custom bass called Hayek. Can you tell me a bit about the, the instrument? I do remember that it had a purple heartwood, I think, top, and it was so beautiful. It really, I mean, back, I mean, this is what, uh, a long time ago, man. So, yeah. you know, in the in 79, exactly. you know, yeah, this was the beginning of boutique basses, right? So, yeah, around that time. That's right, yeah. yes. Well, the, uh, Hayek was a company that was uh, based in, in uh, on the east side here in Seattle close to Bellevue and uh, they you know they came to me and said hey do you want to try out this basis so I tried out a base just a normal one and I liked it so I had them I they said well we have this stuff called purple heart wood and I said yeah go ahead and make me a base out of that and they put uh, heart-shaped LEDs in on the neck and mm. uh, you know and they were good bases but um I worked at a place called Base Northwest. You remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah. So I worked there. Um, and while I was working there, um, it, I was in a, I had switched from, <laughs> I was kind of disillusioned with the, the music business. And I, uh, I, I was just really interested in hiking and, and mountaineering. So I was, I just, for some reason, I sold a lot of bases and that was one of them that I sold because there was a kid in town that was really interested in it. He bought all my Hayek's and he bought that one too. How many did you have? Three. Wow, wow. I had a fretted, a fretless and a purple heart. Mm -mm -mm. You ever keep in touch with that guy? Because I'm interested in, <laughs> in, in, uh, in purchasing that uh, purple heartwood. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget it, man. It was stunning. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was a nice base. I used it on tour for a while. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was good. Um, I I also sold. I had an alembic that I I recorded uh, Little Queen with, mm. and I was out of my mind, and I sold that too. So, 
For shame, for shame. But hey, I know. you know, I know. but you belong in the same club as all of us. I'll <laughs> I all I always tell this story to everybody, man, when we talk about uh bases that we've lost. I I'll, I traded in my 77 fretless Gibson Ripper, LS9 Gibson Ripper, and my uh 78 Fender Precision. And that was brand new instrument. I traded both of those and I had $200 and I, I really fell in love with this bass called Odyssey that was made in Canada. And it was the first time that I came across Bartolini pickups. So um, I, I, I love the sound. I love the way it played. I love the way it looked and it was one of a kind. And so the day before I left to Los Angeles to go to BIT, Bass Institute of Technology, I, I went to 48th Street, I found that bass, and I, I and I begged the guy, I told him what I had, he said, yeah, come back with $200 and those basses and it's yours. And then when I came back, I went, came down, came back to the store after going to Brooklyn and lugging my, you know, getting my basses and lugging them on the train, he changed his mind, he wanted another $200. So there I was walking 48th Street in Manhattan, holding two bass guitars, and I didn't want to bring uh, I just did, I wanted something brand new. So I walked into Sam Ash and there on the wall was all of these brand new Kramer DMZ 4001s with the battery preamp. And um, and I and I traded those two bases for that Kramer. And I, I mean, I have regrets, of course, you know, especially for those two bases that now are worth like, you know, two to three grand, maybe more each, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and that Kramer is not worth that kind of money, um, but uh, I don't. I think sometimes you know, hey, it, you know, it's kind of kismet, man. It's uh, I, I really don't. I don't think that if uh, I think if I if I didn't make that move, it's very possible that my whole playing style and and the uh, direction of my musical journey would have definitely been different. So yeah. hey, you never you know. know. You never. We know. all. <laughs> you never know what you know. Even. Other things that happen in life too, I mean, can change your direction. I mean, it can be an improvement and you, you don't know it's an improvement at the time, but it is eventually down the road. But Absolutely. we all have a story about the ones that got away, I'm telling you. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, what does your base collection look like today? Well, I've got, you know, I, I, I really love my P bases and my Fender jazz bases. And, uh, you know, I've got a, a Rickenbacker and a, you know, uh, Thunderbird, Gibson Thunderbird. And I have a, yeah. the violin. Yeah, I don't know if you know, I've ever seen the uh, violin shaped Gibson, little EB, I think it's the EB1, violin shaped anyway. Yes, yes, I've seen and, that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've got a few, I've got some really good pieces mm -hmm. and, uh, and then I've got some more modern pieces too that are, you know, I have a place in my heart too, but uh, I like, I've, I've been using my Fender Jazz a lot for, during, with Heart by Heart. So mm. it's a 62 um, and I love it. And, you know, when you get older, you're, the P bass necks are a little bit wide, you know, for me. And, and can my hand gets a little fatigued mm -hmm. you know, during the show. So 
jazz bass has a slimmer profile. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Are you a, a round wound man or a flat wound man? Well, I'll do either, but um, round wound for for live performance, yeah. Okay. And then yeah. if I need the round wound type feel, I I palm it, you know, with the pitch. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was I was watching your your technique on. Um, well, there's there's. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, and so I was watching your hand doing that, and you weren't playing with a pick on that. You were you were thumbing. You were like thumb and palm technique kind of when you were doing. Yeah, that. yeah. That's yeah. you got to. It's just like driving a car. You just can't drive an automatic. You got to be able to drive a stick too. Yeah. So I, do, I go both ways. I do a pick and I do my fingers and I can do a little bit of the thumb thing. I'm not so good at this uh, slapping type mm-hmm. stuff, but yeah. I can I can get my way around. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. So uh, you are now or you have been an, um, an Ampeg guy, right? That's is that the amplification and the rig that you're using these days? Is Ampeg? Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, for the past uh, maybe ten years, I've been an Ampeg artist. Okay. And uh, I, when I worked at Base Northwest, of course, I got myself a few of the vintage um, SVTs, you know, from the '70s, and uh, I really love them. I don't know how you can handle that. You must have a great roadie. The uh, the older style heads are like ninety pounds, and the the newer ones, the VRs and the Heritage and stuff, they're about eighty five pounds. Mm. But uh, you know, Summer, uh, my wife, and she, like I said, she is she's my helper, so we carry it together. And of course, we only take it from we only haul it like two feet. We take it out of the trunk, put it on something that with wheels, mm-hmm. and roll it wherever it needs to go. <laughs> Wow, you know, uh, isn't it great to have a, a, a mate, a soulmate in your life, man? That that's part of your musical aspirations. Oh, yeah, it's great. And you know, Summer's a wonderful person. She's a wonderful uh, wife, and she's a great person. You know, like I said, a great person, great singer, and uh, we have a blast together. And she's and she. Well, let, there's okay. So I won't admit to being. I'm, I'm not. I don't drink anymore. But back in the day. When we do shows, sometimes I get a little too tipsy, mm-hmm. especially when it was a uh, you know when there was a lot of friends around. So, but I, there were times when I would get so high that she had have to load the whole thing by herself. Wow! Yeah. And, she, and that's when I had an SVT too. But I didn't say that because <laughs> I am totally responsible at every game. Well, the thing of it is, once you do your, I mean, I, I never get drunk when I play, but afterwards. Mm-hmm you can get a little a couple tips well it's, a, it's the atmosphere man a lot the whole live i mean it's what we live for right it's yeah. you know it, that moment i mean the whole day could feel like it's the slow mo but once once you hit the stage man and hit that first note and about three minutes maybe three minutes depends on how long it takes you to warm up but you know usually for me, it's about three minutes or so or whatever, or, or one song, you know, once the sound check, everything is mixed well and I feel good about things, you know, you start loosening up. So uh, I understand that. I, I yeah. totally could relate to that. Well, the show that I'm talking about, it was only one show, basically. And uh, it was a kind of an all-star show and Alan White was there and uh, a bunch of my friends were all playing at, you know, different 
bands in different jam situations during the night. And then after we were done playing is when, but anyway, um, yeah, 85 pounds and uh, Summer did it all by herself. What a guy, what a man, <laughs> what a man. You know, uh, I'm at the place in life where uh, I have to uh, designate that I make an extra $100 um, just so I could pay somebody to make sure that they they bring everything up and tear it down because at the end of the gig, I just do not, I don't want to touch anything. I want to get off the stage, say hello to everybody, shake hands, you know, sign autographs or whatever, do whatever you got to do, sell CDs, mingle. I don't want to worry about any of that. So I actually pay somebody an extra hundred out of, out of my, uh, you know, my earnings. Just yeah. For that. Well, we, you know, heart by heart, uh, we, the, so Lizzie, Chad, Mike, and Summer and I, I mean, we, we just take care of everything ourselves. So mm. what we, but we still do the meet and greets and autograph signing and stuff. And then we go back and deal with the gear. You carry on the legacy today with the band Heart by Heart with original drummer, Michael DeRosier. What are some of your favorite songs to play live? Oh man. Well, um, of course, Magic Man was, you know, Magic Man was the very first song that I played on for the album Dreamboat Annie. It was the very first song that I ever uh, heard myself on the radio on. Mm. And it's one of the highest testing radio songs ever, which means that once it starts, people don't tune out. They, they listen to it the whole song. And uh, so that's one of my favorite. To Crazy on You, of course, is is a great song to play, and, and it was a great recording to make. Um, uh, Soul of the Sea, I love playing that song. Uh, that was on Dreamboat Annie too. Of course, Barracuda is a lot of fun. Uh, everybody that I know <laughs> in Heart it will admit that played in Heart will admit that uh, Mr. All Wind is probably our masterpiece, you know, if, mm. and I love playing that song and, uh, you know, playing with Mike is, it was fantastic on that one. And, uh, you know, they're all, they're all good songs. Dog and Butterfly, Love Alive. I love playing all those songs. Straight On. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I th my first uh, hard album was Little Queen. So I love that album. And I love the title song and that that's, that's got a good groove and I love the outro. It's a, it's a, it's a really strong album. And I do agree with you. I was actually thinking about that uh, today uh, when magic man or crazy on you, you know, comes on the radio, you don't want to turn that off. That's one of those songs, you know, it's interesting that that's a song that you can, you won't touch the dial. I've never changed the dial on those songs. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, and uh, me, me personally, if, if I come on the radio or if Hart comes on the radio, I mean, and it's one of the songs that I played on, <laughs> I, uh, I listen to it because, and I get a smile on my face because it's, it's uh, who to thunk, you know, 50 years later, here we are, you know, almost 50 years later, we're still listening to those songs on the radio. You got to feel on top of the world, man. Oh, you yeah, have to feel on top of the great. world. It's it's fantastic. I love it. Um, I'm so happy that 
classic radio and the fans of heart have kept that music alive all these years. And then, you know, I thank them and I'm really grateful. Thanks. So, uh, Hart has created quite the catalog and fans have a deep love for most, if not all of the band's albums. If you had to choose just one, which would you say is your favorite of the albums you played on and why? Well, the, our debut album, Dreamboat Annie, okay. um, it was the, the band had just come off of three years of intensive, uh, like club work where we would play, um, you know, five, six nights a week at the same place every night, you know, we can do four or five sets a night for, and we did it for year, three years, you know, and, was, and uh, so the band was sharp as a tack and we get into the studio and, uh, and we record this album and Flicker, Mike Flicker, the producer was very, very involved in the whole makeup of, uh, what was going what was going into the grooves on the record and it was a you know it was a it was a group contribution everybody contributed and everybody had a say in everything that went on and uh and everybody's responsibilities were the highest they were almost ever in in any of the recordings that we did so and i don't know i i just it was just such a great group effort for me. And, you know, for me personally, that's the way I felt about it anyway. And then uh, I just saw an article, like maybe in the last couple of weeks where it said that uh, Dreamboat Annie is within the top 100 debut albums of all times. And to be, you know, to be in that Echelon. I mean, how many albums have been released in the history, you know, so to be in the top 100 is freaking amazing. And I'm so proud to be part of that. If you enjoy this educational music program, please subscribe to We Sing the Bass Electric on your favorite podcast platform. We would love your feedback. Email us at we sing the bass electric at gmail.com. For bonus material and a chance to win merchandise such as autographed CDs and more, subscribe to our YouTube channel and join our mailing list at WeSingTheBassElectric.com. As always, thank you for your support. And please buy music from these spotlighted artists. It makes a difference.